Hello everybody and welcome to this special AI-focused episode of Media Voices. I'm Chris Sutcliffe. And I'm Esther Thorpe. No pizza this week, unfortunately, but we are joined by a fantastic guest, uh, Jackie Merrington, who's going to take us through everything to do with AI and journalism in 2023. Before we get into that, Esther, we do have an event coming up, don't we? We do. Funnily enough, it's an AI event. Uh, we're collaborating with um, Media Makers Meet. We're doing MX3 AI on the 7th of December in London. Um, the, I think the idea is we're going to be exploring all things AI and the opportunities, challenges and all that for publishers. Um, the agenda, I think, is actually coming this week. So go to mx3ai.com for more. Fantastic. But as mentioned this week, we are joined by Jackie Merrington, who recently left Reach after 17 years. So she's led one of the first generative AI experiments at Reach, as well as devising and leading a project aimed at developing new business models for the smallest local news sites using AI, interactive content formats, and newsletters. And now, Jackie, you have your own Substack as well, don't you? So why don't you sort of, well, first of all, thank you very much for taking the time to come on. Why don't you take us through The Happy Journalist? Thanks ever so much, Chris. Um, and uh, lovely to see you both this morning. Um, so yeah, The Happy Journalist, um, I guess, is my take on all the good stuff that's happening in journalism, and particularly local journalism. I I love this industry, and I've always been an optimist, and I really feel invested in uh, the future sustainability of journalism. I think we're an industry that's quite full of cynics. And as a result, no. I think the industry does, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, and I think I think a lot of um, of journalists talk this industry down, but actually, there's so much good stuff happening. There's so many brilliant people who work in journalism. There's people making a difference in the world, and there's so many fantastic initiatives happening across the industry. And I think they deserve to have the spotlight shone on them. And I know you do that at Media Voices, and I know that that happens that that does happen across the industry. But I felt like there was a space for for taking a really positive look at look at journalism. Nice. Fantastic. Well, we'd urge everybody then to go out and check out The Happy Journalist because I think that we do need that as a bit of an antidote to some of the cynicism and pessimism. Less so on this episode, obviously, because Peter's not here. But... <laughs> <laughs> So obviously the topic of today's discussion is going to be AI, generative AI, what that means for journalism and what it does under the hood for journalism as well and journalism business models. And Esther, you've mentioned in the notes, I think that so many of us who've actually seen Gen AI in practice are a little bit pessimistic about what it means for journalism. Well, I, th I think like AI is not a new thing, right? Publishers have been using AI for probably around five years maybe a bit longer for some experiments and i think we've always sort of looked at it and thought yeah you know we can see how that's helping the newsroom um you know making processes more efficient helping you know source traffic reports stories that sort of thing and then when generative ai came out last november i think it was a bit of a sort of a bit of a wake-up moment because we suddenly saw that actually these these chatbots or, or whatever you want to call them they can actually generate some really quite comprehensive content and yes, you can pick them. You can say, yes, it's not original, that sort of thing. But I think it's the first time a lot of us kind of stared down the face of something could actually be replacing us. So I I love the fact that Jackie's optimistic about this. I would actually love to know why Jackie's optimistic about this, because it's the first, I think the start of this year was the first time I felt a little bit of an existential threat to writers. <laughs> Oh, look, I understand that. I, I, you know, I think I think AI brings an existential threat to the world. Um, but I think this is so optimistic. Journalism... <laughs> but I think journalism has a really important role to play in um, making sense of that, communicating it, understanding it, um, kind of shaping the narrative around it. I'm old enough to remember when uh, the internet came along, 
And, and I think that in the media, we were quite slow to react. We decided that online content might cannibalize print. So uh, we all buried our heads in the sand for a bit too long. And, and it felt like we were always on the back foot with that. I think um, uh, generative AI will potentially, I think somebody, uh, Steve Hasker um, at Thomson Reuters a few weeks ago, um, was credited with saying it will be an even bigger change than the internet. And um, and I think f- for me, that means we've got to get on the front foot with it. Um, we've got to, you know, yes, understand the pace of change, understand why people are nervous about it. But but this time we've got newsrooms full of people who are quite eager to t- try things out, to experiment, to learn. And I think as an industry, again, we're looking really narrowly through the lens of what's this going to do for to journalism, what's it going to do to us in the media? But if we look at AI as this kind of paradigmatic shift in how the world works, something that will be everywhere, it will be affecting everyone, then I think journalists are in a really good place to to learn quickly, to interpret it, to communicate it, to help people navigate through that change. We we we're used to disruption, aren't we? Um, <laughs> we, we're early adopters. We can be early adopters. Um, and I think if journalists feel that AI is a tool that can empower them and that they've got a place in the world to sort of help others navigate the change that AI brings to the world, then I think that puts us in quite a good place. Yeah, certainly. Particularly, like you said, it's almost the extension of journalism's mission to keep the public informed. And if it is as, you know, greater shift as I think we all expect it to be, then of course we need to take a sort of leading role in explaining that, understanding it ourselves so that we can communicate that to the public. What would you say then to, obviously, Geo Media earlier in the year, they published a bunch of wholly AI-generated articles without the um, input of editors or journalists, and they were pretty much castigated at the time for being riddled with errors. And despite that, Geo Media management said, we're going to be doing more wholly AI-generated articles. Would you see that as a sort of a bad example of early adoption of this kind of stuff without necessarily taking the time to consider what that might mean? Yes. And and, and I think, (laughs) I I think, um, I'm not saying that AI can't write articles that it, you know, it can. I've used it to write stories. I've used it to research stories. Um, I, I've used it to rewrite stories. You know, there's loads, there's so much that it can do. And I think we're only at the start of learning all the things that it can do. I think the most important thing with it is going to be transparency. Mm. Um, because it can write a story at the moment. It can't write a very good story, but it can write a story. Um uh, that it will get better, and I think um, there has to be a kind of code which says we need to be transparent about where I where AI is being used and how AI is being used in the creation of content. Mm. Um, uh, and uh, I think there will be uh, there'll be um, absolute merit in it producing content over time. Um, I think it will always need human intervention. Um, It can't come up with the ideas. Um, It can't necessarily uh, produce a story that's accurate. Mm. Um, It needs checking. um, And it often needs enhancing because it's it's fairly basic what it can produce in in terms of um, story writing and creativity. Um, So, yeah, I, I mean... Look, I think anyone who's experimenting with AI at the moment 
in all its different forms and all the different things that it can do is doing the right thing. But I think at, at the very kind of base level, we've got to be transparent about where we're using it. But I, th- I think that's interesting because that that entirely comes from the perspective of somebody who's trying to kind of do this the right way, like publishers that are trying to do this the right way. And what I've seen is story after story about um, the bad actors and the people that are using generative AI to create and upload and sort of rewrite content for hundreds and hundreds of basically spam websites. Uh, and I see, I see it sort of with the idea of getting a, a couple of ad dollars from Google. That that to me is kind of the more frightening side of this, that especially when you come up to things like you know, you've got the US election, which is going to be hotly contested. You've got political stuff in the UK that actually for audiences, like how do they know where, where this stuff is coming from, who to believe? Like it, it almost completely takes that trust and disinformation issue and expounds it almost infinitely. You just think generative AI can just create a website that looks like a local news site in, I don't know, what, an hour, minutes? Yeah, and I, I think that bad actor thing is is scary. I think that's where the legislation is going to have to come in, um, in order to um, to to ensure that there is transparency around AI. Um, but I think longer term, uh, and again, this is me with my glass half full again, isn't it? I think longer term, um, that kind of proliferation of bad actors around AI will come to reinforce um, why that human intervention and why journalism is so is so important. And at the moment, I think we struggle in a lot of cases to unlock the value in journalism, to show people how much value it has. Um, we had this same thing when social media came out. How do we kind of differentiate ourselves from all of that that's happening on social media and all of the people who you know claim to be reporters on social media reporting events what we what we did to differentiate ourselves was kind of underline that trust in journalism. And I think it's going to be the same thing with AI, that we just need to keep reinforcing the kind of humanity and trust that journalism has and brings to that. Um, and there also is going to need to be some legislation around um, around AI as well. That's a thorny topic. <laughs> That's going to be. I, I saw a piece not too long ago. I can't remember who was, who wrote it. Unfortunately, talking about how the fact that you know we're still struggling to legislate the internet, let alone. AI and generative AI. So that's a uh, long and thorny road, uh, particularly when you do have some of the platforms basically acting as laws unto themselves in a lot of cases. Um, but obviously, you were talking there about sort of what the value that it can unlock. Now, when we're talking specifically about local journalism, there, what do you think it offers to local journalism in particular? Um, well, I, I mean, I think, again, we are just at the start of it. I think it has tools that can um, that can make journalism more efficient. And I guess that's the first thing that people have gone to. Oh, it can, I can do an interview um, online and it can transcribe my interview and produce a piece of text that I can then work on um, in seconds, which, you know, that sort of thing is, is really useful. Um, it can provide letter data for articles and for images. Um, it can um, it can help speed up research, um, albeit you know with the caveats that, that, that all of that information um, needs to be checked. Um, there is absolutely a school of thought that says it can speed up a whole bunch of processes in a local newsroom, which which gives time for the local journalists to go out and be out and about. Um, doing interviews, talking to people, being in their communities. And I think that 
that is a part of it. But I also think that over the coming 12 months, we'll get to a stage where AI is genuinely enhancing the journalism. It's bringing things into that um, reporting that's um, that we wouldn't otherwise have had, whether that's um, levels of kind of data analysis that we wouldn't have been able to do ourselves or um, uh, producing um, content that helps. You know, you email a thousand people in in, in one go um, that, that gives you responses that you wouldn't have been able to have otherwise. And so I think um, I think we're we're with so, so much at the start of a of of understanding um, the benefits that can have for a, for a local newsroom, but I do think in time it will be able to to um, to it will change workflows. It will be able to um, speed up productivity, um, but but speed up pro- productivity in a way that can make the journalism better as well. I, I don't know how much you can talk about what you were doing at Reach, but I, I think one of the biggest risks that we've talked about before is that this is seen as a tool, like as something that can replace journalists, especially in newsrooms where, you know, budgets are stretched. Um, so I suppose you, as somebody who's worked on looking at this tech in local newsroom settings, are efficient, like I'm quoting efficiencies, are they something that you see as a, as a risk? Um, no, I don't see it as a risk. And I, and, and I guess, I, I guess that, again, that goes back to the fact that at the moment, AI can write a story but can't write a story very well um uh, i think it it has a better job of rewriting stories for audiences so taking a story and producing a version of it that that appeals to a different audience or a different group of people that might help um uh with with the kind of content i guess that that goes across multiple different audiences at reach um i I mean, I think some of the some of the experiments that we we, we were doing at Reach were around um, taking data and um, and finding ways in which to interpret that data and and, and produce stories from it. Um, one of the first experiments at Reach was before I I started using AI in any way, but during COVID, um, there was a really good um, uh, widget set up um, to take the COVID data stats that were coming out every day. And turn that into a piece of narrative, a piece of storytelling that um, that the reporters could then take and, and rewrite and embellish and add to um, and publish. So that was a kind of very very early use of um, of AI storytelling in our newsrooms. Um, but yeah, I think uh, you know the, the I don't don't think AI has yet done anything that makes it um, make, makes it seem as though it could replace a journalist. Um, and I think even if, even at the point at which the storytelling through AI becomes better, more up to date, more accurate, um, even at that point, um, I think the human intervention is still going to be needed. Mm. And the skill will be in, in journalists understanding how to use AI to their advantage. It's, the, the whole thing is just so interesting. I mentioned just before we started recording on December 31st, I stopped getting pictures about the metaverse and started getting pictures about AI. It was that fast. And generative AI seems to have been the switch that got flipped because it became mass market enough that enough people could do it that it became sort of widely recognized as being a game changer. But the speed with which the developments are happening is insane. Where do journalists need to be looking to stay abreast of all this kind of stuff? Because it is moving so fast that, I mean, I, mean, I make it, 
a point to try and stay abreast of this because I think the tech is fascinating. And even I'll go on Stable Diffusion subreddit after a week and be like, what is this? This is just magic. How is this possible? How has it leapt this far forward in a week? So where are you sort of looking to keep abreast of all this kind of stuff? I think everywhere. You know, I think we're going to need a, a different AI skills across our newsrooms. And so I think if you're a journalist now in a newsroom, I think the most important thing is that you're um, learning, understanding, reading, um, taking in whatever you can and trying things out. And that, as you say, um, yeah, there, it's changing all the time. There are going to be so many different um, ways in which that this tech can be used. But I think thinking first about, about why you'd want to use it and how it can make what you do better um, is, is probably your starting point. So yes, go out there and read everything and learn everything and, and try what you can. But when it comes to actually using AI to produce something in your work, I think you need to think about who's it for, how's this going to make it better, um, how, can, how can this enhance my journalism um, without just without just doing the job for me, but it can actually you know bring a multimedia element to my story that I might not have otherwise had, or it can um, it can adapt my story for a different audience that I wouldn't have been able to do um, without without that AI tool. Um, the most recent edition of your newsletter, um, the Happy Journalist, uh, which. I, I absolutely love it, and I don't want to try and summarise it because you wrote it and I'm really worried about butchering it, but you kind of tied together um, some of the sort of subscription slowdown um, with AI. And I th- you, your your argument was that the measurement we should be looking at rather than sort of numbers now and, and engagement is actually impact. Could you just explain a little bit about that and how that ties into, um, I suppose, that, that sort of emphasizing the value of humanity as, as a generative AI really picks up? My feeling of where we're going is that um, I think we started out when we moved to digital on, in almost all journalism organizations, media organizations, we were looking at reach, we were looking at scale, we were looking at building, driving audiences um, of scale. And I think over the last few years, um, those those news organizations that were looking at scale have now focused much more um closely on engagement um, and how we engage with readers and how we build relationships with readers. Um, And I think that has, um, in a lot of cases, um, driven subscriptions, driven registrations, driven subscriptions. Um, But we have started to see subscriptions plateau. So what's the kind of next step? Yes, we've engaged with those readers. Yes, we've built a relationship with those readers. But actually, we need to show um, that journalism has value in their day-to-day lives and that it brings it brings this value to them. So what's going to show that value? To me, that's impact. How can we show what impact journalism is having um, on people, on communities, on audiences? Um, and I and that's something that I I'm, I'm taking some time to look at and um, and um, investigate how other industries use impact measurements. How mm. can we um, take those impact measurements and apply them to? Um, to journalism um, and particularly local journalism, um, but I think that that yes, there are there are three big forces shaping journalism at the moment. AI is one of them, and AI is the one that everyone's talking about. It's a, it's it's massive, um, but actually, climate and the climate crisis, I think, will be the next thing that um, it's always like 
the number two priority. It's never the top priority. Yeah. But actually, the climate crisis will shape journalism over the next um, over the next decades. Um, and news avoidance is something that um, I think is really pertinent to um, to journalism at the moment as well. And I think if we can show the impact that journalism, that human journalism, um, has on society, on communities, on individual people, then I think we'll be in a much better place to unlock the value of journalism um, for, for readers, for advertisers, for investors, for governments, for all of those people who can support. So really using it you know, holistically to support these other aims and goals that we need to be focusing on as well. So I think Peter's put it in the notes that there is a pushback from publishers against kind of the AI platforms. Just recently, we've seen a number of publishers basically forbid crawlers coming on to get data to train up their you know, AI platforms. To what extent do we feel like we're going to see a repeat of the conversations we had with search platforms around AI and sort of, you know, what's, use, what's fair recompense for using publisher data to train up these AI tools? And, you know, is that going to be the next great fight between publishers and a third party yes i think it probably <laughs> is um uh, and i think it's i think it's great that um that those some of those big media organizations have come out and taken that stance and, and started that debate you know we can't wait for um legislation to come along um in order to um uh in order to control that it, it'll just take too long so i think the publishers have had to get on the front foot with that um, and, you know, we've seen the New York Times, Washington Post, Guardian um, have, have all sort of taken that step um, to stop the crawlers um, uh, get, getting to their sites. Um, I, I think, um, I think, yeah, it, it will it will be um, a, a big debate over the coming years. Um, I think there will be some legislation that will um, that will um, impact this um, to a point, but I don't think it will ever solve the problem and i think like we say it's likely to be a kind of um a, a platform and publisher um debate over the coming over the coming years i wonder if this is going to be one of those things that we look back in i don't know 10 years and like you know you know we always talk about all the internet's original sim was letting content go away for free i think this is like a sort of the second boot of that where People who've had paywalls and things like their their stuff isn't getting crawled or shouldn't be getting crawled, um, and the people that have given like just let it go away for free, especially in the news industry, it's like it just it just reinforces that. And I was reading a, a piece by somebody on um, on Media Makers Meet where they were just saying, well, okay, the New York Times and the Guardian, they you know they they might be blocking the crawlers, but there are plenty of other sites that are covering exactly the same news stories that aren't. So the the AI machine gets the stuff anyway, just maybe not quite to the same rigor and standard as the new york times so it I, just i just feel really pessimistic about it i know I, I think it's so funny that every time we talk about it regardless we're just like my thoughts immediately start leaning back towards the terminator and it's always <laughs> like it doesn't matter how optimistic we're trying to be about it i'm just like we start talking about the, like the ai the tech as this kind of like monolithic entity versus a bunch of you know different platforms all competing with one another for attention it's it's fascinating how fast that kind of reputational shift has happened um but before jackie you were talking about transparency and how important that's going to be we've seen places like guardian like wired put out basically explainers about what and what they are not using ai to do is that going to be what we come to expect publishers to do to put out these basically statements about what and they they are and aren't going to do with ai Yes, and I actually think that's been a really good trend that we've seen over the last few months. I think um, 
a, a lot of publishers have made those statements, have made really clear kind of um, guidelines around um, around what they what they want to do with with, with Gen AI. Um, the BBC, I think, released theirs this week, um, and it, it you know similarly to the Guardian, they talked about um, producing uh, using AI in the best interests of the public. Um, uh, ensuring that they were prioritizing talent and creativity within any use of it to be open and transparent about um, about what they were doing um, and it was similar guidelines to the, to those that the the, the guardian had had released before and as you say I think wired were one of the first to come out um, with that with that set of AI guidelines as well I think it is best practice again I think it reinforces that relationship that we have with readers that um, that kind of human response to AI um, it, it, it helps readers to understand uh, where and why it's being used. Um, you know, I know a lot of publishers have started to put some put disclaimers on pieces of content that have been used that have had um, some AI intervention. I think those are good too. I think they probably need to go further um, in that where you see a disclaimer saying we've used AI in the, in the production of this article. Well, kind of how and where and what role did it play because if it just if it just helps you come up with a headline then that's very different to <laughs> it writing the entire piece of copy um so i think um i think the more transparency we can give around that the better i think those statements of intent um are really good and i think we'll probably get to a point where we'll see um, um this might be somewhere in the future but we'll see media companies actually putting disclaimers on pieces of content that have been wholly mm. human created nothing on this site or in this article had ai intervention it was all done with a this lovely human who understands this um uh, this this piece of content because they have um a particular expertise in this area um and it took them um three days to produce this piece of content you know and actually celebrating the kind of investment of time that's gone into gone into content I see that's so interesting. I wrote a piece for the Media Voices site a couple of months ago now, basically saying that I'd seen artists do exactly that. They basically documented the entire process of production from you know inception through sketching, through line work, all the way through to colouring. And as a result, the provenance was there and people could see that they had, you know, it'd been created entirely by hand using digital tools, obviously, but because the people were like sketching directly into, you know, Photoshop or whatever, but using it as a point of differentiation is fascinating because, I mean, this time, what, two years ago, we would not have been thinking we'd have that conversation, the idea that you can use, oh, this was made by a human as, like, <laughs> something that would set itself yeah. apart. And I really wonder how that's going to impact things like subscription marketing. I was just thinking subscription businesses, yeah. Actually, that's yeah, so absolutely. fascinating. I think, that, I think that'll be a big part of subscriptions. And I do think, you know, you, I love it when I read those articles that are kind of behind the scenes and, you know, how this court case unfolded and how this reporter sat for six, six months in this in this trial and, and what happened behind the scenes and the colour of that. Well, actually kind of taking that a step further to every article that has had a big investment of time um, uh, and has a number of different components to it. Why aren't we saying this is how it was produced? This is what we did. This is who was involved. Um, you know, I, I think we, again, it, it comes back to the transparency, but it also comes back to the value. You know, we we're really reinforcing the value of journalism if we're talking about how how um how much it how much went into a piece of 
Um, I keep saying content. But <laughs> <laughs> we can't get away from that word. Yesterday I saw a tweet and I, I saw Matthew Ingram uh, retweet it or repost, repost it. Repost, it's a repost, post now, isn't it? Sorry, um, basically saying, you know, why should I put the effort into reading something that somebody didn't put the effort into creating, uh, which I thought was, I think, indicative of the sentiment around some AI generative stuff now, in particular that's relevant for journalism. Um, one of the things that we should probably address is the impact that AI might have on existing players within the kind of the search market because i've seen you know google is doing their ai generated search results they're talking now about including ai summaries within browsers um, of articles which i think is just going to be such a nightmare to negotiate with publishers because it strips so much of the context away and so, so, so much of the sort of the craft of writing um, if you're just doing a summary do we think then that this has the potential to destabilize the search market just as much as it does the creation and you know, propagation of journalism? Um, I think it does, but I do think that we're, we're we've already seen big steps forward in terms of um, how much um, search generative content um, Google is putting on results pages. So we're already seeing those huge blocks of blocks of text, the kind of um, information that you don't need to click through because you mm. see it all as soon as you've searched for it. And that's already happening in Google. I think that's already impacted publishers as well. Um, so I do think, you know, it, um, yes, um, it, it can and probably will go a lot further, but I think it will be in small steps. And I think that, um, it, you know, publishers have, have so much more moved towards that engagement with their readership, that kind of direct relationship. Um, but yes, search is a big part of what what um, what drives audience to publishers. But actually, um, it's it's a diminishing part, mm. and I think that will all that will be a diminishing part over the coming years as well. Um, I, I think it will be much more about those those relationships that um, that publishers build with their audiences, and therefore um, there'll be a kind of to a point, there'll be a, an understanding of what what Google does is is good for Google, right? So, um, <laughs> yeah. I think we're all sort of aware of using ChatGPT to, you know, limit uh, or rather rewrite articles to fit a certain word length or to research. Or I've even seen a couple of people who have been using it to um, really effectively teach themselves a new skill related to journalism, for instance, coding. But where would you see that, um, where would you advise people to, to go to really get started in understanding what is possible? I mean, I think there are some brilliant courses out there. I think um, uh, the LSE course around um, journalism AI has been um, has been a really good starting point for people. I, I've signed up to an awful lot of AI um, newsletters that, um, that um, give me information every day around um, the different types of tools that are coming out and the different things that you can do with them and I think they're always a good starting point I often pull out um, uh, snippets from there and, um, and and do some experiments on the back of those um, uh, of those references um, I, I mean my my advice would be to to just start playing with it and just start using mm. it as you say chat GPT is um, is definitely the best starting point it's such a, a sort of accessible um, place to go and, and try things out. I think there is some good advice out there around um, around how to do um, 
how to do prompts that will bring you back the information that you need. Just sort of not just thinking about the content that you want, but thinking about the audience that you're there, thinking about the style of writing that you want, um, that you want that um, piece of content to be produced in. And then I've tried lots of things over the last um, over the last couple of months around, as you say, um, like text to audio or text to video. Um, uh, just just trying out the kind of tools that can do that, and there are lots of them lots of them out there. Um, and it, and as you as you referenced, I mean that's it's now got me into looking at, oh, uh, should I start to learn Python? Should I try mm. and um, you know understand how to code? Because that that will help, particularly with those big data analysis pieces. Um, it they're the kind of tools that could really help, like enhance um, the, the the journalism using AI. Um, so. So I think I would advise just just to play with it. But I think, um, and I'm sure that most most publishers have something in place that says if you mm. start to use that in a piece of content that you're producing, then that then you do need to be open and transparent about that because we do need to think about what that means for an audience and um, uh, and and how much we uh, how much we should articulate that to audiences as well. I was I think the the moment I realised that it was. Um properly mainstream and the people were experimenting was it was when I went back up to Warrington and my mum who is the most tech literate person in the world asked me to show how to use it and she's since been experimenting with it but at the time she she went okay teach me how to use it so I like showed her how to use it to like make a cover letter and she was astonished by it but then I went okay so just copy and paste that into an email and she went what and she was equally (laughs) impressed by copy and pasting as she was by, you know, this miracle <laughs> of generative AI. So it's properly, properly mainstream now. It's properly mainstream. The first time I used it, I think, was um, end of last year. It was just before Christmas and, and ChatGPT had just come out. I was going to book club and mm. I hadn't read the book. And so I asked ChatGPT to review the book for me. It was I say it was brilliant. Of course, it it was a really um, quite badly written um, book review, but you know it it did the job for it. I'd be way too paranoid to do that. Well, Jackie, thank you so much for coming on. Um, It's been a fascinating chat. Where can people find you if they want to read more of your work or about what you're doing on behalf of journalists with the Happy Journalist? Oh, so the Happy Journalist is on Substack. Um, So um, yeah, do come and. Come and check it out, and um, and if you like it, uh, drop me a line. Let me know what, what you think. Um, I'm always keen to get people's feedback. Um, and over the next few months, I'll I'll be um, continuing to do experiments with AI and look at what AI is going to do. Um, but also, um, you know, looking at um, other parts of journalism as well, and, and some of those other um, big forces that are that are shaping journalism at the moment. As I say, the climate crisis is something that. I think um, we need to talk more about in journalism. I think news avoidance will be um, a big force to shape journalism over the coming months, and I think, uh, and that's what I'm trying to look at through um, through the Happy Journalist. And, um, and so, yeah, come and have a look. I can highly, I can highly recommend it. It, uh, it definitely cheers me up at nine o'clock at night when there are no other stories <laughs> that are remotely positive in pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget that you can, well, that we'll be dealing with AI in slightly more depth in Medium Moments, won't we? 
well, <laughs> one of the three of us has got to condense the entire year into 800 words no, I can't, for Media no. Moments 2020. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It's not It's not possible. I'll have to use ChatGPT to do that. Like, ooh. <gasps> Should we just get ChatGPT to write the chapter? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, if you want to sign up to that, that, that report will be written by the three of us, I promise. Uh, you can pre-download that already at voices.media slash mm23, and that will be released at probably beginning of December. Human written, human written, Human guys. written, point of differentiation. Yeah, all good. While you're going to voices.media, why not sign up to our newsletter, which takes a look at all the news and the views from the media world in four short stories. So we condense that. Also down. human written. Also human written. But you can also sign up to our community while you're there. We're having fascinating discussions on there. I'm sure we'll have a number of discussions about AI on the community forum. So you can sign up to that by going to voices.media. Thank you again to Jackie for joining us for this episode. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week with another deep dive into a particular topic of relevance to journalism. Thank you so much for listening and goodbye. Really need a better sign off. I was thinking about that guy who used to um, host um, You've Been Framed. And at the end of every episode, he'd go, uh, and remember, I don't have a catchphrase. And that was his catchphrase for some reason. So we just need something along those lines. <laughs>